Let us pray. Father, as we sing this song that launched this church 20-some years ago, we remember that you put it on our heart to be a place where those seeking God could come and find you and see you in your Son in a place that is safe and welcoming and has taken them into account. I pray this morning as we sing this song again, we remember that calling you gave to us. And by the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. Good morning to you. So here at Lakeland Community, almost every year for the last 10 years, uh, we have done a series called Difficult Questions. We love our Difficult Questions series. So people from the congregation write difficult questions that they would like to hear addressed. We collect them, sort them, make a sermon series about them. Uh, The questions that you guys write are quality. They are raw questions. They are thoughtful questions. Um, We usually do that in January. Those are often some of our best attended services of the year. They generate a lot of discussion. They bring a lot of clarity to us on difficult topics. But in 2016, uh, we had a problem. More than any other topic, far more, half of all the questions that you turned in, Uh, Asked about issues dealing with lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer orientations in the church. So once I got started and sorted all the questions you had asked, um, I realized I could not address the questions you were asking in 25 minutes. Not even in a Dan Wolburn 40-minute size sermon could I address them. He hasn't done that for weeks. Um, uh, So I sat down to answer your questions, and it turned into four messages. Uh, I quickly realized that spending an entire month, week after week, on this intensely controversial topic was not uh, something I could do without the approval of the elders. So I took all the messages to the elders. The elders then spent weeks reading them and discussing them. And in the end, we discerned that uh, it would not be a good idea to hammer away in this forum, in this format, for such a long time. So we made a different plan. Uh, We would have a month-long series of evening discussions in which we would carefully lay out the content of those messages, but also uh, bring in some Christian speakers who deal in these issues and also allow time for questions and discussions and hearing other points of view from the congregation. And uh, and so we planned that for October last year. But my family had a, um, a medical emergency that needed to be addressed, so it got postponed again. Now, finally... Uh, Here we are. So I would like to use today to outline the the most basic position of the the church elders here and then introduce you to the series of evenings that we're going to be having and to the guests that we have invited. So here are uh, two of the difficult questions that you asked, and they are difficult. One of you asked, uh, do those who choose homosexuality or gay marriage definitely go to hell? That is an intense question. Another of you asked, For several years I have felt strongly drawn to the possibility that the Bible verses that call homosexuality a sin may have been translated wrong or out of context over the years. I've done a little research, but honestly, I don't know what to believe. I don't know why this is so important to me, but truly, for years, this has been on my heart. I believe God has put this questioning in my heart, but I don't know why. This has become the most intense issue that the American church faces right now. 
uh, I'll be honest, uh, there's a, a part of me that would just, just would like to avoid this um, entirely because it is so controversial, but that's not my calling and it's not appropriate. Um, if you submit a large number of questions, questions you were asked to submit, then we should answer them. If the scripture speaks about an issue, church is where you speak about everything that scripture addresses, then, then we should address it. And if an issue has become the hottest issue in public discourse about religion, then it would be irresponsible for us to just act like it's not happening. Or worse, to let television or social media tell you what to think about it. We come here for the voice that we cannot get anywhere else. The voice of God. And I pray that uh, this morning and in the weeks to come, that the voice of God filters through and above everything that happens and that each of us truly hear from Him. So, our first Thursday night will be this Thursday night, May 31st, be 6 to 8 o'clock. We'll be in our youth room, which is upstairs and to the west. I'm directionally challenged, but uh, I believe I got that right. Yeah, west side of the building. Okay. So, May 31st, this Thursday, will be our first night, LGBTQ plus issues and the Bible. So, I want to also be up front that this uh, series will be able to deal with the L, lesbian and the G, gay, and the B, bisexual, most of the Q, queer orientations. But the T, the trans orientations, is a a bit of a different story. Um, it's, It's really a separate issue. Although it travels together in this acronym, and it travels together in politics, the, the needs and the struggles and the questions of the trans community are really quite different. Um, we're all familiar with the transgendered issue, but you know, there are 48 different types of transgendered orientations that folks identify with. So that is a, a wide variety. And if you go beyond gender, there's also um, other parts of the trans community struggling to get recognition and acceptance and, and variously finding success with that. Transracial, transnational, transaged, transabilityed, um, transspecied, which you know, other kin or Ethereum communities. So there is a lot going on with that issue. We'll be able to touch a little of that in this series, but it really needs its own pastoral discussion. So uh, I just wanted to be clear about that. We're going to begin this Thursday in our scriptures. What do the scriptures say about LGBTQ plus orientations? Have those scriptures been misunderstood for 2,000 years, as one of our questioners suspects? So I want to adjust our expectations before we come Thursday night. Thursday night will answer the question or attempt to address the question, what does the Bible say? But for a lot of us, that alone will not settle the issue. You will still have to decide, do I agree with the presentation that that's what the Scriptures say? You'll have to decide, do I intend to follow what Scripture says, um, whether I'm convinced of that or not? Is the Bible the Word of God to you? Does the Bible have power and wisdom and guidance for you? Has it been a good book for you? That's all work each of us will have to do in our own heart and mind, even after hearing one perspective. Now, there are six Bibles, uh, Bible passages, sorry. There are six Bibles, a lot more than six Bibles. Um, there are six Bible passages dealing with LGBTQ plus orientations. And so with six Bible passages, we will be able to deal with them all in the course of one evening. Every one of these passages is interpreted differently by Christians 
who disagree on this issue. So on this evening, I'm going to try to present both sides and both interpretations fairly. Why would I do that? Because I don't want you to ever go to another church. I don't want you ever to read someone's blog or hear a guest on a television talk show and hear a brand new interpretation of Scripture on this that you've never heard here and wrestled with here in your own community. Furthermore, I believe that if we send our teenagers out of our community and off to college and into the world, not having heard any of these arguments before, when they do hear them, they may get the feeling that we lied to them. They may get the feeling that we hid some part of uh, biblical interpretation from them. They may get the feeling we were felt threatened by something, and so we ignored it. And I don't want uh, any of that to happen. Therefore, we're going to address both sides of these issues and both of these interpretations of Scripture. However, in the end, we, you will want to know what is the elders of Lakeland community's current understanding of Scripture. So it's the current understanding of Lakeland elders that Scripture teaches that same-sex relationships are not God's design for human sexuality. To hear how we arrived at that, Scripture by Scripture, why we're not convinced by the other interpretations, um, that's we'll come together on Thursday night. There's a lot of diversity here in the church. There are folks uh, in significant positions of leadership here in the church who don't uh, agree with that stance. So there is some room for diversity. You'll hear that on Thursday, I'm sure, during the discussions. So we will uh, discuss that, and it will be enlightening for us all. The second week, June 7th, LGBTQ plus issues in the church. So let's say that first night some miracle of God happens and every single one of us is convinced by the Bible to one view of same-sex attraction and relationships. That still doesn't tell us what to do in our church next, does it? Here are four more difficult questions that you asked. One of you wrote, I would like to know the stance on homosexuality. Another of you wrote, homosexuality will not be considered a biblical sin in 20 years. Aren't secular morals sometimes superior to religious morals? Another of you wrote, if you were gay, would you want to be celibate your whole life? Another of you wrote, gay and lesbians. I feel they were born this way. Christians seem to think they are sinning. Why did God create gay people? I thought we were not supposed to judge, love everyone. Is it wrong to be gay? Are they welcome in this church? So in week two, I would like to suggest that how you address this issue, even the types of questions you ask, has more to do with your own God-given psychology than anything biblical. It's deeply ingrained in our personalities, and I do believe ingrained there by God to respond to different things in different ways. Usually we fall on a spectrum between thinker and feeler. This is right out of your Myers-Briggs personality inventory that you've probably taken several places where they give you the four letters, and one of them is T and F. So if you test out a thinker, you probably come at the world this way. Your goal is to find truth. You want things and ideas to be respected for what they are. You want truth separated from falsehood. Now, where thinkers can kind of go off the rails is if they start to think that feelers are wrong. So a thinker who's gone a little too deep there into God's gift might say something like, uh, you feelers, don't you know your feelings are deceptive? 
Don't you know that keeping a relationship based on falsehood makes the relationship false? So that's a a thinker talking who's gone a little too far with it, where they say, you feelers are wishy-washy. Then they got the Bible. Jesus said, be hot or cold, for if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. Thinkers like Bible verses like that. Thinkers believe they are guarding the true foundations of society and that without truth foundations, society itself will collapse. That is a powerful fire driving what thinkers think and do. But yet there's this whole other section of humanity, feelers. If you are wired by God to be a feeler, you tend to come at things this way. Your goal is to find relational harmony. You want yourself and others around you to be able to live together in love and peace. You want community and family to remain intact. Never sacrifice relationship. That's what feelers know. Now where feelers can go off the rails is if they start feeling like thinkers are all wrong, bad people. So a feeler who's gone a little too far into God's gifts there might say, you thinkers. Don't you know your thoughts aren't more valid than other people's thoughts just because you thought them? Don't you know that sacrificing the love and happiness of human beings for your bland doctrines and dogmas is wrong? So feelers who are a little off the rails might say, you thinkers are cold and inhumane. And then they've got the Bible. Jesus said, you teachers of religious law, you strain out the gnat but swallow the whole camel. The Apostle Paul said, if I have all knowledge but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong. Feelers feel like being a feeler is the best because it's the most humane and holds society together. That is a powerful fire driving what feelers do and feel. So just so that my bias is clear, when I take this test, I test out roughly in the middle of thinker-feeler. I have like a 10% tendency toward thinkers. So I probably described the thinker position like 10% better because I know it 10% more. But um, I kind of like being that because it gives me a vantage point maybe to see why some of you folks are going at each other. Um, These are personality traits. And these personality traits, I believe, are fueling this global debate and explaining why we come at each other with such intensity and cannot agree. Because one side is saying, if you knew what I know about this issue, you'd think the way I think about it. Here, I've reposted an article. Read it and you'll be all straightened out. Feelers, on the other hand, are saying, if you have loved who I have loved in this life, you would feel the way I feel about it. And then they go like all the posts of everyone they know needs a little love that day. (laughs) So until we recognize the power of the gears driving this controversy, its intensity is not going to go away. And we're going to keep having this big destructive fight over sexuality and gender where, where half the church is saying, if they don't get this doctrine right, we're leaving. And the other half of the church is saying, if they don't treat these people right and welcome them, we're leaving. And as it already is around the world, we'll tear the church in half. And where will all those people go? To more extreme versions. And then we'll really have a problem. So week two is really going to be all about having empathy for how other people see this. 
This is what makes us a church and not a political party. This is what makes us a church and not an advocacy group. This is what makes us a church and not a secret society or a holy huddle. And if you are LGBTQ+, are you accepted here at Lakeland Community? The answer to that question is, of course, yes. It is deeply ingrained in the gospel and in the DNA of this church to share the good news of Jesus Christ and God is revealed through him with all people. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church should be welcoming and mutually transforming. That's a phrase we got from the author David Fitch. The church and the gospel of Jesus Christ should be welcoming and mutually transforming. Welcoming is fairly obvious. It means you're welcome to be with us. Mutually transforming means everybody involved in community is going to be transformed by one another. So if you identify with an LGBTQ plus orientation, your presence in community is going to change everyone else's view of orientations. Because it ceases to be a political issue, now you're like our real friend. And you know how it is, once you get to know somebody for real, you start to think differently about things, differently about orientation, where it comes from, the intensity of it, how big or small of a deal it is. Also, your presence in Christian community, because it's mutually transforming, is going to transform you. You'll come to see the church differently. You'll come to see God differently. You'll come to see the scriptures differently. You'll come to see yourself differently. This happens to every single person who draws close to God. You come to see him, the world, and yourself differently. Everyone is transformed by that, and you have no idea where it's going when you start, which is why a lot of people um, are scaredy-cat and don't get started. You can kind of sense something's going to change. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But when you're ready for a change, you draw close to God and you have no idea what's going to happen next. You just know you're ready for a change. So that's, that will be the gospel here. You are welcome and we will all be changed by being in community under the name of Christ together. We do have some boundaries about the ministries that an LGBTQ plus person who does not agree with this interpretation of Scripture can be a part of. It's a very difficult discussion. We will have that discussion during the second week. You will have questions and comments you want to make. You will get to make them. We will do that together in community. We're going to skip June 14th, uh, and then we're going to come in on June 22nd for week three. LGBTQ plus issues in American culture. So let's fantasize a second time and let's say that we all became comfortable with how to live together and navigate uh, orientation here at Lakeland. How about after we leave this, these premises? We step out that door and we're out in America where we work, where we recreate, where we vote. But we're just as Christian out there as we are in here. So what do we do with our national and societal culture? Here, here's one of your difficult questions. One of you wrote, I believe that homosexuality is a sin and that is supported by the Bible. I don't start conversations about this, but if I'm in one that turns this way, how can I defend this point of view in this day and age without seeming intolerant or hateful? This question, I think, really hits the nail on the head of a very big problem that we have right now in our societal culture. Um, I can't tell you... How many times I personally have thought, I, 
beyond number. I'm not going to preach this series. I could find a hundred other things to do. I shouldn't preach this series. I can't tell you how many times when people heard that the elders decided we would go forward with these Thursday night groups that people gasped, groaned, looked afraid. There's nothing, Christian, you can say about this issue in public anymore without being labeled immediately. Homophobe, intolerant, hateful. Absolutely the same is true on the other side. If you say anything even moderately accommodating, even moderately kind to the LGBTQ community in a conservative church setting, you get a label slapped on you. Oh, you're just liberal. Oh, you're just compromising. You're just wishy-washy. So we are now completely polarized. All one thing or all the other. Just ready for one person to use the wrong acronym or the wrong catchphrase. I'm not on Facebook, so I've already probably violated all kinds of catchphrases I'm not supposed to do. Just forgive my extreme and profound ignorance. Uh, But we're ready to slap a label on somebody, and if we could reach them, slap them physically, right? We're just ready for a fight. This is a bad place to be as a society. It used to be people who disagreed could sit down and talk, disagree, argue, get really animated, and then go and be friends. And we are losing that in our culture, and that is not going to go well for us. Societies don't last long once they become like that. Gay marriage has been legal in all 50 states since June of 2015 by Supreme Court ruling. Is there anything even left that the church can do in our national culture? I believe there absolutely is. In fact, I believe the church can now that the legal matters have been decided get down to the the pastoral matters that we were supposed to be messing with all these years and chose not to do anything about. So I think it's really just beginning the real ministry of the church. We can talk about that on week three. I also think it's worth noting that we only get this many questions about LGBTQ plus issues during an election year. The last time we got this many questions was 2012. 13, 14, 15, we got maybe one or two cards. 2016, half of all questions. It's worth paying attention to ourselves and noting that we only ask these issues when the media and candidates get us inflamed on this issue. What right do most of us even have to talk about this issue if the only time we really face it ourselves is during an election year? There's a great discussion to be had about that, and we will have it. Our final week, week four, June 28th, LGBTQ plus issues in our family. In the end, we have to bring this home. Because what if someone you love deeply, maybe someone in your own home, identifies with an LGBTQ plus orientation? At that moment, the Bible, the church, American culture, that's all going to be great, but you're just going to have one question. What are you supposed to do? For that matter, what if it's you who feels same-sex attraction? What do you do with that? For those of you on the side that feel that such things are sin, you'll be wondering, can I accept this person I love without having the appearance of winking at or encouraging them into something I believe is a sin? We're going to look to Jesus for a model of how to navigate that. In our culture right now, every TV show has a gay character. Every movie has a gay couple. Star Trek has a gay crew member. Star Wars promised a gay cast member in 2017, but did not deliver. Star Wars did not deliver a lot of things in 2017. (laughs) 
Disney features for children now have gay characters. Your shoe store has a wall-sized mural of gay couples embracing. The library across the street has a table of LGBTQ plus youth books with teenage girls kissing on the cover. Your kids are going to ask about this very much earlier than before. Very much earlier than you may be ready for. So we'll be talking about how to deal with this and discuss this with kids. Your kids may come out to you as gay or bisexual or some trans orientation. What they come out to you as, you may not even know what it is. You may have to Google it to find out what they just told you they were. What do you do in that moment not to lose this relationship that is so precious to you? And that will be our four weeks. Let me tell you a little bit about the guests we have coming. For this week, we have Samson Latchison. So if any of you were involved in campus ministry in Springfield, Missouri for maybe the last 10 years, you, you know Samson Latchison. He works at the Ichthus Coffee House. That's a Christian ministry for students. So Samson Latchison identifies as a gay man. He identifies as a gay man who believes in the traditional interpretation of Scripture. And he is just going to come simply to tell his story of how those two parts of himself come crashing together in his real life. It's not theory for him. He's living it. And we'll get to come and hear his story. And graciously, you can ask him questions about it. Week two, we'll have Ron Belgal. Ron Belgal is a Catholic uh, Bible scholar. And Ron also identifies as having same-sex attraction. He also believes in the traditional view of Scripture. And so he's going to come and share how that crashes together in his life. He's also the president of the Spiritual Friends Network, which is at least national. It might be global, but I don't know. I'll say at least a national network of LGBTQ plus folks who are Christian, who are trying to navigate all of this. And uh, he has some actually helpful suggestions for what churches can do to minister to folks who struggle with these types of orientations or identify with these types of orientations in the church. I think his words will be very uh, good. You can ask him questions, and he's super, super smart. Uh, The third week, our own Reverend Dr. Dan Wilburn, who has thought about this issue for decades, spent a lot of time in sabbatical looking at the philosophy that's underpinning all of this. He wants to come and share, he calls it the 30,000-foot view of this. So he'll be with us during the third week. Some of our elders will also be available on that week for the Q&A and discussion time, so you can kind of hear a lot of the church leadership in one place. The fourth week, I had an author I really wanted to bring, but he's so popular that he just wasn't available. Um, So it's just me. So it'll either be shorter or maybe the the discussion time will be longer. We'll just let the Spirit guide us. Our goal in this is try to be what the church is. This is why we're doing this. The church is a physical representation in this point in history, in this place in the world of the kingdom of God. I'll tell you that I honestly don't expect that we'll change more than a couple people's minds. Probably some of you who are kind of on the fence may come out one way or the other, but I think at this point we're all pretty much entrenched in what we believe on this stuff. So if you're worried, always going to come and try to change my mind, I don't really think that's going to happen. But I do believe through understanding that we can come to understand one another's points of view enough that we can live together in love and Christian peace. And that's really what I want to bring to our culture and to our church culture and to the spiritual debate. 
So if you're interested in these topics, if you're curious, if you're hurting, join us on Thursday nights. If right now you're kind of like at a boiling point, like you are just filled with rage or you could just burst into tears at any moment, if this is just going to be something that's going to really upset you, you can feel free to skip it. Just because it's so important to you and the church is dealing with it on May 31st doesn't mean May 31st you have to, you know, it's your duty. It's fine. It will, you, this issue, and this church are not going anywhere. And if this is a bad time for you, it's fine. It'll all be recorded. You can engage with it in a way, at a time, that's better for you. It's perfectly fine. Jesus left us with a symbol. You know, we often forget that on the night he was betrayed, he prayed a prayer that said, Lord, I pray that they will all be one as you and I are one. And then he leaves this symbol where he takes bread and he breaks it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he takes the cup and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death until around one table I eat and drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So last week, uh, three weeks ago, we talked about you know, evolution, super controversial. This week, LGBTQ plus issues, super controversial. Neither of those issues will keep you away from the table of God. Your seat at that table is decided by this. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, died and raised again for sinners. And so when you tear off that bread and dip it in the cup, you receive that assurance and that reminder of what matters. So there you and I will be at the table and we'll say, okay, Jesus, since you're standing here, what's up with evolution and what was up with the LGBTQ plus uh, issues? And then he'll tell us. And in that moment, since we have committed to follow him for all eternity, we will be fine with the answer he gives, trusting in him. Right now we're doing the best we can. When we see him face to face, we'll know. And there may be a moment when I'll go, ooh, I preached sermons about that, and I was like, wrong. How much trouble am I in? And the symbols of forgiveness will be set out in front of us, and he'll say, tear off a piece of bread. Dip it in the cup. Receive. So I invite any of you who want to receive that symbol. Don't miss that it's one loaf and one bread and one table and one Lord. You can come down, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. If this is not you, if you're not even convinced Jesus Christ is Lord, you don't have to participate in this. That would kind of be a violation of you, wouldn't it? You can stay right where you are. But think about it. What would it, what would it be like if I adopted Jesus' presentation of who God is on earth? How would that change my life? This is a church built for people who explore. That's why we do difficult questions. No one's going to judge you. Half the people sitting down is just because they had ankle surgery, so no one will even know why you're not coming forward. But do consider, do use this as a time to consider, is this a view of God that is speaking to me? For the rest, let's come forward and be at this one table together. Amen. Let us stand together and proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 
Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Each day may Christ be as real to you as this food and this drink. Let us pray the prayer that Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come forward when you're ready. Our benediction comes from Romans chapter 8. I'd just like to read this as a blessing over all of us. So let's receive this blessing from the word of God. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that powerful promise of God, go forth in peace. Amen.